You are, you are now tuning in to Reform Raza. Our aim is to glorify God through the edification of the saints. Expect practical theology and a draw to be biblical. So if you ask us who we do this for, because this is for the last. This is Reform Raza. My name is Martin Velasquez, alongside with my brothers. This is Corona, not comma, Justin. Justin. <laughs> and what up, everybody? This is Brother Vic. And gracias for tuning in. Go ahead and hit us up at reformraza.com, reformraza at gmail.com with any questions, comments, concerns, or rebukes. You can hit us up right there. Don't forget to leave that five-star review. Uh, hit us up on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Google Podcasts, everything where you can find podcasts except iHeartRadio. Honestly, I kept mentioning that because I got beef that we're not on iHeartRadio. I don't know why. But anyways... <laughs> Also, but don't look us up on MySpace. We're not on there either. Yeah, we're not on MySpace. We're not on... What is, what, what is there anything else? That was uh, a big thing, huh? We're not on HBO. We're not on HBO. We're not on Not, not yet. Not yet. Yeah. Yeah, don't look good for us right there. But you can find us here on Anchor, on everywhere else you can listen to and to podcasts. And coming soon, maybe YouTube. Whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. Oh, okay, maybe. I don't know. Spoiler alert. But gracias for tuning in once again. Um, as we're going to continue this little series that we got going on about the tulip. And I, I want I want to continue to emphasize the importance of why we're doing this, man. Because I have seen lately, recently, or more, I guess, that people lift up free will so high up like it cannot be violated. You know, I've seen that a lot, which is which is a sad thing because when you, when you emphasize uh, free will and in, in, in the salvific sense, you know, of course, no no Calvinist is gonna say man does not have a free will. Hey, I chose to eat an extra plate of food today. I chose to get seconds today. You know what I mean? Yeah, you did. <laughs> so that's that's using my free will. You know what I mean? That's I mean, hey, when my alarm goes off, I can shut it off and and be late for work. You know what I mean? Those are the con- those are the choices that I make that have real consequences. But when it comes to coming to the throne of God, like without the influence of anything else, that's when that kind of free will does not exist. Because it is God who gets the glory. The scriptures clearly say that God does, does the drawing. He is the first initiator in anybody getting saved. Because our, our, our wills are enslaved to our sin. So we are influenced by the things that we are in bondage to. So we are in bondage to sin and we are slaves to sin. So, so because we're enslaved to sin, we do not have the freedom to free ourselves. We have to um, be set free from someone that is outside of us. And that where all the glory goes to Jesus Christ. So total depravity, we talked about it last episode. So the, one of the main questions you may be asking yourself, hey, hermano, if we can't come to the throne of God by ourselves, then how are we supposed to get saved? Well, hermano, I'm glad you asked. Um, unconditional election. That's where the, the, 
I don't know how to say it. The next acronym yeah. comes in. The <laughs> U. The U and Tulip. <laughs> That's where it starts. You know what I mean? God is the initiator in salvation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just want to make that clear, you know, because, I, you know, like I said, I've seen a lot of people just say, oh, God will not violate your will. God is a gentleman. And God, you know, lets you decide, gives you the choice. And that, um, that's just not the truth. If that was the truth, then, dang, I'd be, pl- we'd be playing basically, uh, what was that song called that the kindergarten sing, uh, the one foot in, one foot out song? The hokey pokey. The hokey pokey. <laughs> we, play, we be playing hokey pokey with God all the time. You put your right foot in, put your right, you're in, you're out, you're in, you're out, you're in, you're out. Because if we left to ourselves, that's what we do. That's what we do. You know, we take God for granted and we're not going to be fully committed unless Jesus Christ is the one who does the work in us. That's how sinful we are. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, if we, if we continue from the last episode, Total Depravity, we um, ended with basically that we, in our sinful state, because we carry over sin that was brought because of Adam. If we are in Adam, how, how do we now... Um, go into the next camp how do we go from being in adam to being in christ what do we do right because we found out in the last episode that because we are all sinful we are all born in sin how do sinful people become not sinful so that they may be in the same camp with christ and so with left that that question how does a sinful man save himself or how does a sinful man become holy well, it's gonna be it's gonna have to be something outside of sinful man. Yes. Right. Yes. And so, what what is unconditional election then? So I think it's best described in this way: God chose before the foundation of the world to save certain people according to His own purpose, apart from any conditions or qualities related to those persons. So I think that's a great definition god chose before the foundation of the world to save certain people according to his own purpose apart from any conditions or qualities related to those persons so and this uh, this unconditional election is to contradict remember what the armenians brought up they brought up that uh, election was conditional and so this taught that God laid his hands upon those individuals who he knew or foresaw would respond to the gospel. God elected those that he saw would want to be saved of their own free will. And in their natural fallen state, which was, of course, according to the first point of Arminianism, not completely fallen away. So unconditional election was meant to contradict conditional election, which is what, what you, you said in the beginning that this taught that it's by their own free will. This taught that God sees who's going to be, who chooses him, and so therefore God chose them, which is completely goes against scripture, completely. Yeah. So what, what would be the, the, the logical conclusion to that? That God learned something. He saw that people were going to choose him, like, oh, so-and-so is going gonna, is gonna to come to me in 1995, and so, therefore, I'm going to elect him. Which, in reality, doesn't even make sense. I'm sorry, but that's not how dodgeball works. <laughs> <laughs> when you go to choose people, you don't choose people that already chose you. <laughs> I, I don't think that's how choosing works, right? Yeah, exactly. That doesn't even make sense. 
This is Dodge Force. So I got, I got flashbacks from. <laughs> <laughs> well, what is it? What is, what is that? The term when you do flashback or uh, deja vu? Nah, there's a throwback. Flashback Friday? PTSD? <laughs> Something like that. I forget. Whatever. PTSD. <laughs> that'd be more accurate. He sees a red handball. He gets flashbacks. <laughs> no, but it, it, it comes to that. I mean, even with me and my wife, I I mean, try to think of it in that way. Did I elect my wife? Did I choose her to be someone that I wanted to pour my love into? Or did I do so because... In my foreknowledge, I knew that she was going to be the one that was going to say yes to her when I proposed to her one day. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. does oh. not make any sense at all. So, yeah, man. So, uh, what's the scriptural background for this then, right? Because uh, everything we do, everything that we say has to be backed up by scripture. Has to be. Has to. Mando, commando. So, just as like a, a little refresher, it's basic in its terms. Unconditional election. There is no condition that needs to be met by a party to be in that relationship with Christ. That's a pretty good way of putting it. I, I even heard uh, Paul Washer say like this, that God chose you not because of you, but in spite of you. Mm. Like he, that, that involves everything that comes with us. Like, our, like uh, he knew, God knew I would be arrogant. He knew I would be prideful. He knew I would struggle with certain things and and not be, you know, the best, you know, father or the best husband in the world. And I will fail constantly to do his will. But yet, in spite of all that, he set his love on me before the foundation of the world and said, Martin, you're going to be saved. Dang, with the Spanish accent and everything. Hey. I don't know. I was gonna say something, but that's gonna be <laughs> gonna be a fine line, you know. <laughs> but here, look, let's let's. I have so in Genesis seventeen, verse six. And so here we see um, God making an, a covenant with Abraham. Mm-mm-mm. We love covenants. Covenants. And so here. Um, in Genesis 17, verse 6, it says, I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make you into nations. And kings shall come from you, and I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you, after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. So I, I just wanted to, um, or yeah, even continuing, and I will give you and I'll give to you and to your offspring after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. But here God is making a covenant with Abraham. But I wanted to use this portion because as we're talking about conditions, right? God makes a covenant with Abraham. There was no uh, condition that Abraham, Abraham had to meet for God to make a, co- a covenant with Abraham. He did it out of his own sake. And he would even go and point out that he's doing it for his name's sake. Mm-hmm. If there is any condition that was met between any covenant between God and people, the conditions fell on God all the time. He the one that from the beginning of the covenant would point out what he will do 
to make this covenant. And here in this cut in, in, in this portion that I read, God is now telling Abraham, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to continue this. And this is going to be an everlasting covenant. I'm going to make with you and your offspring. So when we are born again, when we have come to a saving faith, God made the necessary requirements and conditions for us. We come into it with no conditions. We didn't have to say a prayer to be saved. Oh, oh, oh. We didn't have to spin around seven times and hop on our left foot to be saved. There was no condition that we as people had to do. But if there if, if there's any argument, there would only be one condition is that we would have to be found in sin. We would have to be in Adam in order for us to be um, transferred over to be in Christ. If there was any condition. No, I mean, you, 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 you said that pretty good right there because it's one thing that we see in churches a lot is altar calls, right? When people come, oh, you know, service is over, you know, the music starts playing, you get all emotional, and then the pastor goes on with the, you know, if you want to give your life to Christ tonight, go ahead and repeat this prayer after me, this and that, this and that, and then come to the altar, we'll pray for you, this and that, and it's good, right? Oh, it's all it's all it's all uh, good little vibe and you know people truly come you know to faith maybe in some certain situations but then there's people who depend on the altar calls you know they they come to the altar calls again and again and again they say they say the same same sinner's prayer you know hey if you want to rededicate your life to the lord say this prayer say this prayer but yet we see that there's no change and it just becomes a dependency on the altar call mm -hmm. like, oh I, I couldn't give my life to christ because of the altar call and then that be that becomes the the condition in which people are really seeking to be saved through the altar call and that has been very damaging in the, in the in the Hispanic church, you know what I mean. But even even what you said, what you said about Abraham, I think it, you know it's pretty cool because when we come to faith in the Lord, we're counted as Abraham's offspring. So all the promises made within the Abrahamic covenant are extended to us because we are counted as Abraham's offspring. Yeah, because we we we. When we come into Reformed theology, we begin to see when when God is making the covenant, and every time he refers to the offspring singular, not plural, mm -hmm. he's actually pointing forward towards Christ mm -hmm. being the offspring, and that all that would be bestowed upon him, but then later, by faith, would be given to us. Mm -hmm. Exactly, exactly. So I think that's pretty dope. Um, more scriptural evidence in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Now... Now, let's read this and let's see what it says, because there's going to be language in here that is going to refer to the New Testament, which will make the connection. Right. Mm -hmm. So in Deuteronomy chapter six, I mean, chapter six, uh, chapter seven, verse six says, for you are a people holy to the Lord, your God. The Lord, your God, has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. It was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you for you were the fewest of all people. So he's talking to Israel 
in this time and he's saying i chose you not because you were great in number because you were this because you were that or another language based on the condition that you were the most uh uh people in the land or not he said i he set his love on you because he loves you <laughs> that's Pretty what he gives that. you <laughs> that, that's the Lord has set his love on you and chose you not because you were the fewest. He, he, chapter 8 says it was because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers that the Lord has brought you out of out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. It was because the Lord loves you. And just how you said earlier that he's doing it for his namesake, for his glory keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers that the Lord brought you out of uh, out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery from the hand of King of Pharaoh king of Egypt mm-hmm. so that's the answer that we get why did he uh, choose people because he set his love on them not because of you or because you were going to be a great evangelist or because you're going to be a mega church pastor or because you were going to do this or you can do that because you were a doctor because you're an actor because you're you have these super cool qualities that 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 the lord saw in you and then he chose you because you were going to do great and mighty works for his kingdom no he chooses the least likely because he loves them that's 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 the answer that we get I think this is a good one for uh, on on God's faithfulness and on God's love, because I feel like nowadays we exalt works so much. Yeah, we exalt. Uh, we rely too much on the results and not so much on the gospel. We re- we rely so much on on how many people come to church instead of did we did we feed the church? Because uh, we we. I mean, I, I can I can imagine. I mean, I hear it and I see it. Uh, I mean, you pointed out last time. People people always start off. I like to thank God for my salvation. I earned it and it's mine. And then you have these these uh these people at church or you know the main pastor just just uh looking at his works. Look at all. Look, God's hands upon here because of all of these people that are right here in my church. Look what I've done. Look what I've created. But then when we look at Scripture and it's it's. It's not you. It's not what we have done. First Corinthians, I, I, I like how, how it says it, that, you know, Paul, Paul's telling the church, look back at, at, your, at the salvation. Look back at your, first, at your calling. Not many of you were noble. Not many of you were wise. Not many of you were strong. But he says that God chose the weak things to shame the strong. God chose the foolish things to, to, to shame uh, the, the wise. wise. And... and and why, why did he say at the end? So that he who boasts, may he boast on the Lord. May he boast, uh, uh, in, in, the, in the book of prophets, he says, may he boast, may he boast that he knows me. Not, not, not our works, not, not what we did, what we accomplished, but like we always say, right? Soli Deo Gloria. It's yeah. all because of God, because God did a mighty work, not because of what I have done or not what, because of what I accomplished, but just because... God loves us. He is faithful to his word. He's faithful to what to what Justin brought up to that covenant. He's faithful. Amen. Amen. Yeah. And and even then we read in Ephesians. We were dead in our trespasses. So what could we really bring to God as a type of condition or something that we need to do to be saved? There was nothing. We were dead in our trespasses and sin. And even all the while 
he chose to say to save us to set his love upon us and then i believe it's in um in 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 galatians or another letter but it goes on to say that um when he's making the accusation that before we were we were in 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 the fold before we were saved that we were adulterers we were liars blasphemers we were all these things really if anything there was there was this this um life living against god so if if we were living a life against god then then really what what um condition can we meet to try to bring it back to god it's like if i see another person calling me out calling me all these things and living a life against what what i don't what i like so living a life contrary to what i live and continues to 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 um make fun of me mock me all these things and then all of a sudden i i i say you know what if, if somebody um gives me a dollar i'll let them in you think i'm gonna let that person in no matter what um everything that they've done already do you think i'll still let them in even just for that one dollar it's like if you go in to ask somebody knowing everything you know about hitler would you receive a flower from hitler you wouldn't even if it was the most nicest act on your birthday he goes and he gives you a bouquet of flowers and a cake would you still receive that from that man you wouldn't so in the same way why would god receive any condition for us from us because we were blasphemers at one time in our lives we were we were people who hated god he wouldn't accept any condition from us and he shouldn't receive any condition from us that is why he had to send his son perfectly to fulfill all the law that by his uh, precious blood would make an atonement for us that we would be then brought in by faith so the work goes all the way back to christ he was holy and never sinned against god and so it is only because of christ we are able to be brought in we were washed clean and so that's why there there should be no condition met by a person because god wouldn't receive that condition nonetheless because he is holy and so i think this brings us back to what is your understanding of the holiness of god if you understand the magnitude of, of of how holy our god is you would come to see that there is no condition any man born in sin could ever meet to come before god and so that's why there had to be a mediator there had to be someone to atone for our sins that we could then be brought in by faith and even faith is not even a work of our own it's a gift of god as ephesians 2 says exactly this is not your own doing it is a gift of god so even your faith is a gift from god but uh, yeah that was good so let's continue in deuteronomy and let's bring it down to to the new testament so in deuteronomy chapter 14 verse 2 says mm -hmm. for you are a people holy to the lord your god and the lord has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth so his treasured possession we see um him 
making these these uh, statements that Israel is holy to him, that they're a treasured possession, that he chose them not because they were great in number. They were actually the fewest in number, but yet he chose to bestow his love on the nation of Israel. And remember, mm -hmm. in the Old Testament, the, these were, were uh, God's people that were in covenant with him. They were um, elected by him. And, and, you know, on the Day of Atonement, um, all their sins would be forgiven once a year. The priest would go in to make sacrifice uh, for his sins, for the people's sin, and for one year, uh, their sins will be forgiven. So that was a system of sacrifice year after year after uh, after year until Jesus Christ came to the earth. But look at how he how God keeps on referencing Israel. And Deuteronomy twenty six nineteen says that He will set you in in praise and in fame and in honor high above all nations that that he has made that you shall be a people holy to the lord your god as he promised so they're holy they're a treasured possession uh these people are set apart um because they they belong to, to the lord he took them out god took them out out of out of out of bondage so even that whole whole picture of of god taking the israelites out of out of Egypt is all a picture of what Christ would do. You know, Moses being uh, the representation of Christ, Israel being God's elect, God's God's chosen people in slavery. Here comes the Messiah figure to set them free and to lead them into the promised land. So even all all of that is a picture of how God works in 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 our lives. But look at Exodus 19, and then this one is going to lead us into the New Testament. Watch, check this out. In Exodus 19, verses 5 and 6, it says this. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be, you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. So they are a tre treasured possession the uh, kingdom of priests and the holy nation right away we should have some some bells ringing in our ears of where we can find that in the new testament which is actually what we base this little podcast on and so in first peter chapter 2 it says this in verse 9 it says but you are a chosen race a royal priesthood a holy nation a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light so peter takes these um uh, these phrases that god uses to israel his his elect his chosen people and then brings it into the new testament and references um that to the new testament church and says this what god spoke to israel is now applied to the new testament church mm -hmm. so we are a royal priesthood a holy nation a people for his own possession and so so what 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 God stated about Israel in Deuteronomy 7 that he chose he chose us because we weren't this or we weren't that just because he set his love on us we can apply that to God's elect worldwide today that God loves his people that he chose before the foundation of the world because he loves us and so this doctrine of unconditional election should fill us with a a peace and a hope and an assurance that God knows, God knows the backpack that I bring, the, the mochila, 
the stuff that we carry with us, all our burdens, all of our sins, all the things that we hold on to, the things that we struggle to, everything. God knows that. And yet in spite of that, he placed his love on you and decided this person, I'm going to keep, I'm going to persevere, I'm going to preserve until the day of my second coming. And that's a, that's 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 a beautiful thing right there. That should clear up uh, some misunderstandings because I know that there's there's misunderstandings that people say, well, election is only meant for the Jews. It was only for them. But this should clear it up because you you were clearly just just shown that in the Old Testament, yes, God has his people and he chose them. But now that Old Testament is applied to the New Testament church, which we just read right here, 1 Peter 2, 9, that what was applied to Israel is, is applied to the true Israel, the, the church for, for now. And uh, that, that first verse, 1 Peter 2, 9, which says, but you are a chosen race. You are you were chosen by God, not because of anything that you have done, but it was just because of God's love. And once you dig deeper into, into election, you're going to find out that election is all over the Bible. It's everywhere. All of the epistles, uh, most of the epistles, if anything, they, they, they talk, they mention election. They mention uh, uh, that, that God chose us not that we chose god but it's a beautiful thing because if well here's the thing that we talked about right total depravity that we were dead in our sins that we cannot choose god on our own but this is a beautiful thing about unconditional election because god has to choose us before we even choose him this is a beautiful thing i want i want to read to you a quote that i have from 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 jc Ryle right here he says this, let us suffice us to know it is a fact. God must begin the work of grace in a man's man's heart or else a man will never be saved. Mm-hmm. Christ must first choose us and call us by his spirit or else we shall never choose Christ. Now, when we, when we come to election, people get this misunderstanding too that there's a responsibility on the believer as well to respond yeah. in faith to to what God has called us to, to what God has called us, and we'll get that later later on about irresistible grace and all that. But but th- th- there's a calling on our part too that that we have to respond in faith, and as God chooses us, election is always for sanctification. And so when we, we were elected, it's, it's not that, oh, you know, God chose me. Now I can do whatever the heck I want because God loves me and it's unconditional. And no, that's a misunderstanding right there. The person who was saved, the person who has been elected, chosen by God himself. This always reminds me of, of Toy Story. Always, always reminds me of Toy Story. That Toy you Story one. You are a toy. <laughs> oh, wait, wrong line. Wrong line, wrong line. <laughs> Well, I, was, I was talking about brother, you know the movie when Woody and Buzz get get into the into the spaceship uh-huh. with the aliens, and then and then they're like, "Who's your leader? Who's your master?" They all point up the claw. <laughs> <laughs> the claws are master. He decides who will go and who will stay. <laughs> he will decide who goes and who will stay. Yeah, so you're that's, telling that's, me? Wait, hold up, hold up. This just blows my mind. You're telling me that the aliens in Toy Story are Calvinists? Yeah. <laughs> And they, and they can receive it. Why can't we, man? Come yeah, on. I mean, I, I even saw a, a reform page post a meme about it that that, that the claws getting that the alien and like our minions will stay. So we'll still say that we chose them. 
No, but it, 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 that's exactly how it is. It's not that that we chose God. God God's coming out of us like the claw, and he chooses whoever he wants, and he says, come out from among them. Be separate from among them. And that's a beautiful thing because as that quote if God did not choose us, we would never choose him on our own. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's why election is a beautiful thing once you dig down deep. And and when it comes to topics like these, you got to just trust in what the word of God says. Sometimes we're not going to be able to explain it to the fullness. We can get an understanding. But I mean, election is a biblical word. Predestination is a biblical word. Yeah. And we got to have some sort of concept or some sort of idea when people come up to us with these questions, what does election mean? What does predestination mean? And in, in, uh, even just, just going back to what Marlon was saying, how I, I, I've heard it even too on YouTube videos and just people saying that, that when he talks about the predestined, the chosen, he was talking about only Israel. Mm. Yes, but also no. And so I'm going to read real quick from Galatians three seven and it says know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of abraham and the scripture foreseeing that god would justify the gentiles by faith preached the gospel beforehand to abraham saying in you shall all the nations be blessed so then those who are of faith are blessed along with abraham the man of faith and then continuing into galatians three twenty five, and it says but now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. And, and he's referring to the law. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs to heirs according to promise. You know what? I'm so glad that you brought that up because that is the common understanding of the Latino church. That oh, when God talks about the elect, He's not talking about the Gentiles. He's talking about Israel. Mm-hmm. But then we see right there, as you just pointed out, that this uh, election of Israel is now. Um, Expanded to the election of the Gentiles as well. And in and, and Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11, it says, Therefore, remember that at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh of flesh by hands. Remember that you were at, at that time, at that time, separated from Christ. So there was a time where there was this separation. But look, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, but now, come on, somebody, somebody say now. Now, now. We're going to get all Pentecostal on them. Somebody say now. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off, far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man, one new man in place of the two. So making peace 
and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. I'm, I'm gonna have to do this for myself. I mean, the, the scripture clearly says that at one time, yes, there was this Jews and then there was Gentiles. But now in the New Testament setting, there is one new man. There is one group. There is one elect of God, which is the church of Jesus Christ. And how you pointed out in Galatians, there's neither Jew nor Gentile nor barbarian nor this and that. Nah, God's elect is his people worldwide, both Jew and Gentile, whom he has purchased with his own blood. So we, the Gentile, right? Because we're not Jewish. We're not from that, not that by lineage. Blood. Not by we, blood. But we are brought in because mm-hmm. of faith in Christ. As, I mean, I, I just pointed out in Galatians and as you have read as well. I mean, Paul was a man of the scriptures and he was a Jew, a Pharisee even. And he brought these connections, these necessary connections so that we may be edified by that. So that if there was any objections raised by the Gentile, if there was any doubt from the Gentiles, they would read this letter from Paul and they would be all the more edified. Well, I'm a, I'm a Gentile. You guys are the Jews. You guys were God's chosen people. And then to read it and be like, yes, but because of your faith in Christ, you were brought in with us. Mm-hmm. This is where adoption happens. Mm-mm-mm. If you want to go ahead and check back to season one. <laughs> <laughs> the episode on adoption, adopted by God, go ahead and check that out. But just to, just to uh, continue that thought is that we are all brought in by faith. There is no necessary requirement. There is no um, circumcision of the, of the foreskin to be brought into the visible mm-hmm. covenant anymore. Now, now we, are, we have been brought in because of the Holy Spirit. The Father has called us. And what was it? The the Son has um, guaranteed our salvation, and it's the Holy Spirit that draws us in. Amen. Amen. And that's where this doctrine gives us the peace, gives us the assurance, and let us rely fully on the grace of God. I mean, but I mean, at the same time, we had to see. Okay, so, um, so there's elect. What about the rest of the world? Those who are, are not elect. Let me take you back a little, a little bit verses back to First Peter chapter two. It says in verse, um, at verse four, start at verse one. It says, "Not to start at the beginning of the chapter." My bad. First Peter chapter two verse one says, "So put away all malice and deceit, and hypocrisy and envy, and all slander, like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by." that by it you may grow up to salvation if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good as you come to him a living stone rejected by men but in sight of God chosen and precious you yourselves like living stones are being built up as as a spiritual house to be hold a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ for it stands in scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So honor. The, so the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. 
They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. So, I mean, that's that day. That's a that's a tough scripture. That's a real tough scripture, especially if we're dealing with, you know, family members that we love or people that we've been sharing the gospel and they just seem to not come and get it. Um, the scripture says that they disobey the word because they were destined to do so. Now, that's what the scripture says, but that must motivate us when it comes to evangelism, when it comes to sharing the gospel with people that we're like, we don't want, I don't want this person to be one of those who are destined to. So it's very important that we get the gospel right, that we present it accurately, and the Lord may do his work in those people. Because just as Acts 13, 48, it says, when, you know, when they heard the word of the Lord, talking, talking about the Gentiles, when the Gentiles heard the word of the Lord, they rejoiced, and all who were appointed to eternal life believed. So we have this assurance that when we share the gospel, God will save his appointed, his elect people. Because to me, that's a frightening, frightening scripture, that people disobey the word because that's how they were destined to be. But let it not be on our part that we take that attitude of, well, this person is just not receiving the gospel, so therefore he's one of the destined to not believe, ah, I'm done with this guy. Nah. Let us continue in the presentation of the gospel and let, us, let it be known by how we carry ourselves that we may, we may um, uh, spread the gospel accurately so that the Lord can bring his people to himself. Now, there's a, there's a misunderstanding to, to this whole thing because somebody might read this and say, as they were destined to, they might, might just go in and say, as they were predestined to. But that's not what the scripture is saying right here. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of people may think, oh, if God predestines people, if he elects people to go to heaven, if he elects people, if he chooses people, well, then people will get that conclusion. Well, huh? Well, that must mean that God chooses people to go to hell. Mm-hmm. Or that God elects people for hell or predestined or however you want to put it. People get that misunderstanding. And so with this doctrine of, uh, of unconditional election, it's not saying that at all. That, that's, a, that, that, that's what's called double predestination. That God chose people to, to go to hell, but that's not what's happening right here. Because here's the thing. In all reality, if God did not choose us, we're all going to hell. Each and every yeah. one of us. We're born we're, on our way to we're hell. We're born on our way to hell. If you listen to the last episode, Total Depravity, there is no way that us on ourselves can choose God because of our sinful nature, because of our, of our sin. And so if God does not do an election, if God does not choose people, we're already on our way to hell. And we, we had this conversation earlier, me, me and Justin, that... It would be absolutely just for God to send me, Martin, or Justin to hell. It would be perfectly just. Why? Because we have violated God's law. We have been disobedient to God's word. We have, have, have at one time, as the word of God says, we we hated God. And we, we, didn't, we were enemies. enemies to him. So it would be perfectly just for him, for, for us to go to hell because of that. But double predestination, it, it, it's 
it's it's not good. But people, what God is doing is He's being just. He's giving us what we rightfully deserve. Now this is where where mercy and grace come in. This is the whole the whole election that that God out of His mercy, out of His grace, chose us. And if we were never chosen, we can never choose Him, and we we all be going to hell. But just like Martin pointed out, we don't know who the elect are. That should not 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 give us that excuse or or, or that thing to say, well, well, he can go to hell or whatever. No, that shouldn't be us. Have we really been changed? Have we really been transformed? Because if we've really been elected, there's 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 sanctification. There's there's a transformation in our hearts, and we don't want to see anybody going to hell. That's why it should give us some more of this urgency to to spread the gospel, to be patient with people, to pray for people. As Ephesians tells us that God has prepared beforehand a work that we should be doing. As God chooses us, it's not just that God chose us and that's it. But God has predestined a work specifically for us to, to go out and do. But we're never going to find that out if we don't, if we don't understand um, these, these doctrines. So I'd like to uh, continue with one of my, my last verses I have for this episode. Uh, it's in Romans 9 verse 11 and so in Romans 9 verse 11 if I could find it right there it says though they were not yet born and had done nothing either good or bad in order that God's purpose of election might continue not because of works but because of him who calls she was told the older will serve the younger as it is written Jacob I loved but Esau I hated what shall we say then is there injustice on God's part by no means for he says to Moses I will have mercy on whom I have mercy and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion so then it depends not on human will or exertion but on God who has mercy for the scripture says to Pharaoh for this very purpose I have raised you up that I might show my power in you and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth so then he has mercy on whomever he wills and he hardens whomever he wills god there was there was no foreknowledge here right so if there's an argument um, continuing right of this thought that will god choose or chose those whom he foreknew or those that he saw through the the tunnel of time that they would choose him one day in their own will no Right here, we see an example of that. That for the purpose of election, God chose Jacob over Esau before there was any good or bad in them. Before any of that, even though God is all knowing, he knew the actions that would take. But even even before that, before there was any action that would have ever taken place when they were both in the womb, because remember, they were twins. So they were very identical in in in, in um, their environment, in their circumstances, in their lineage. Everything was identical except that they were two different people. So so there was no reason to hold one above the other. But for the sake of God's election, He chose Jacob and not Esau. There was no condition met, and if anything, there would be a condition on Esau's part. Because he was the firstborn. 
but then he would still choose Jacob. And then even continuing to, to um, further go on to, and I forgot who said it earlier, Martin, um, of how he raised up Pharaoh and hardened in his heart. He didn't make Pharaoh evil. He did, oh, it's you that talked about pre, double, predestinate, double predestination. God didn't make Pharaoh evil. Pharaoh already had sin in him. He hardened his heart in the state that it was already in. He was sinful and he was hardened as being sinful. If anything, or, or I, I believe it was Sprawl or another um, preacher has put it, he simply removed his hand from him for a moment during that hardening. And we see another example in Romans of, of clay that he would, out of from the lump of clay that he would make into verse, uh, vessels of mercy. And the, and the way I have seen it is that this lump of clay from the beginning was already tainted by sin because of Adam. So he didn't make the clay sinful and wicked. It was already so, but he has chosen to, to, to use that clay and form from it vessels of grace and mercy that he would use and call his own people. The rest were already in that state to begin with. Mm-mm-mm. That is a really good analogy. So in case you didn't know, uh, Justin is a king of analogies. And so it's a, it's a great asset to this little podcast. But hey, that's, that's, that's a good point that you bring up. And um, continuing in Romans 9, verse 24, it says, Even us whom he called, not from the Jews only, but also from the Gentiles. So I heard this say a lot. Romans 9 is about nations. It's about Israel. It has nothing to do with us. And somebody even told us that um, they were going to Bible college. And when it came to this chapter, they skipped it. And remember, remember that? <laughs> they skipped it. Be like, oh, you don't need to know about that. I was just talking about nations in Israel. You don't need to know about that. So they're going exegetically through the book of Romans. When it comes to Romans 9, they skipped it. Well, actually, they, I think he said they skipped 8 and 9. 8 and 9? Yeah. Okay. Because these two chapters go together. Um not to say that was a Calvary Chapel, you know, thing, but whatever. Uh, anyways, <clears throat> we need to get a, a gunshot uh, sound, you know, throwing <laughs> shots. But anyways, uh, so, yeah, I said, it clearly says it's not from the Jews only, but also from the Gentiles. As indeed it says in Hosea, those who are not my people, I will call my people. Mm. And her who was not beloved, I will call beloved. And in the very place where it was said to them, you are not my people. They, there they will be called sons of the living God. That is beautiful. Oh, man. So, man, if anything you want to take from this episode, take that God loves you. If you are in Christ, if you are, if you have been truly redeemed, if you have truly been born again, you know, 100% that God has done a work in your life, then rejoice because you are of the elect of God. And it wasn't because you did this or because you did that or because you had to keep yourself. No. All glory goes to God himself and his son, Jesus Christ, who came down to this earth to walk a sinless and perfect life, to go to a cross, to be tortured and tormented, to take the wrath of God on himself, treated as a guilty criminal in place of guilty criminals who died and resurrected and once, will once again come 
to judge the living and the dead. He did that for his own glory and for his people that he chose before the foundation of the world. So rejoice, brethren, hermano, hermana. Rejoice because God loves you. <laughs> and that should set us free. Amen. That should set us free from everything. So that means, you know, I mean, like you are free to serve him without the, the, the demands of the law, without the condemnation that the law brings. That if you, if you, if you sin or even make a mistake, you know, as some people like to say mistakes and sins, you're going to make mistakes and you will sin and you will fall short and you will not glorify God the way that you should. But in spite of that, that should motivate you knowing that God has um, will keep working in you. He will lift you up. He will pick you up when you're down. And he, and he is patient. He is steadfast for his people. And he will not let them fall. Not one bit. I would like to share. Okay, I'm a liar. I'd like to share one last scripture. Wow. <laughs> to, 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 draw, to draw my final analysis on the, on the you unconditional election. In Ezekiel 36, uh, I'm going to go back to 24. It says, I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleanliness. And from your all your idols, I will cleanse you and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. I will put within you and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Here, God is speaking to his people, Israel. Notice all the eyes. God is saying, I will do this. I will mm -hmm. do that again. Right. Where was Israel's objection? Where was Israel's stance to say, we will do this for you, God, and you will be our God because we did this for you. No, they were already um, disobeying God. They were already running circles around with God. They would serve him for a time and then they'll go back and run to their idols. And it would be like that. You'll see that all through the Old Testament, the circle that Israel continues to go through. But yet God made an everlasting covenant and he stayed with them. Nonetheless, he had he went in his long suffering, remained faithful to the covenant he made for his namesake. So the proper application for unconditional election. I see is not for us to go in, in, in our evangelism conversations, but is more internal for us as the believer, as a reassurance. Yeah. Because I'm not, I know I'm not alone when, when we come to that, I guess you would say that valley in our walk or, or that low point in our walk where we feel like we have messed up, that we have maybe thrown ourselves out of the Lance book of life, that maybe we have um, did something that was disfavorable in God's eyes and that he would cast us out. Maybe we've, um, I don't know, maybe we haven't been reading as much as we should or praying as much as we should. Maybe we didn't feel this feeling anymore. And for some reason or another, we have fear that when Christ comes back, 
we will not be with him. So this proper application comes to us because brother or sister, there is nothing that you did to receive the salvation that you have that is so precious. It was a gift from God. There was no condition met on your behalf that you would receive such a gift, nor would there be a condition that you would lose it. Mm-mm-mm. With unconditional election, we have an assurance of salvation. Now, I'm not talking to the ones that continue to make a practice of sin and go in and out and playing hokey pokey with the church. But for those of you that that have this guilt, this remorse over sin, you know who I'm talking to. You know within within your own heart that man, I have done wrong and you feel guilty. There is a, a there your conscience bears against you because you know you have sinned against God. Just like David. David, what did he say when he, when when uh, he sent um, who was it Uzziah, Uriah the Hittite? There you go, to the front lines to be killed so that he could go and marry uh, Bathsheba. After all of that, what did he say in the psalm? He said, "Lord, it is you whom I have sinned against." Forget Uriah; it was the Lord whom he he had sinned against. Mm-hmm. But nonetheless, he even though he went and lamented and shared all of his emotions, he was still secure because he knew the God that he was under. And just like us, if if we are found in Christ today, and maybe you're going through any doubts, maybe you have fear over something, just run to the Lord. Don't worry about that. Come to the Lord. There was no condition that you would be um, brought in and there would be no condition to you be brought out and I'm not speaking in any way of being heretical because this is the, the, the truth right here that God will not turn aside to his people and if you truly are in Christ you will continue and and, and one of the things and, and you know th- this this right now that I'm speaking on will be further compounded later in the last episode of this series under the, the perseverance of the saints Stay tuned. That's going to be a good one. Stay tuned. But for right now, for this application, I'll say, do not fear. Do not be afraid. Continue in Christ and you will be encouraged. Amen. Uh, what did you say? That, that that college, that they took out Romans 9 and Romans 8? Mm-hmm. I don't know why they would do that to the people of God because Romans chapter 8 has become now one of my favorite portions Romans chapter 8, I, I, I want to break down just a little bit Romans 8.29 because that's where unconditional election comes in, in the, into place. But Romans chapter 8 start, starts off uh, verse 1. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And I'm going to continue with that Amen. thought that you said, Justin, because if we're skipping that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ, you're going to be living for the rest of your life, not running to Christ, being in your guilt. And being being afraid in a bad way. But I want to remind you that all of us, doesn't matter if it's your pastor, doesn't matter who you are, all of us are still in the process. And we're not, we have not been perfected yet. Even Paul will go on to say in, in the book of Philippians chapter one, that 
that we will not be full we will not be complete until the day that Christ comes back in Philippians chapter 3 he would say it's not that I have been perfected but one thing I do pressing on towards what, what lies, lies ahead and that goes along with Romans chapter 8 how we go how we go through that that I consider that the present sufferings of this present time will not be compared to the glory that shall be revealed and then it's it, it talks about the redemption of our bodies I always get reminded of that portion that as an encouragement that it's not always going to be like this because yeah we go through times in, in our lives where we, we, we call them seasons right we go through seasons in our life or maybe we're not running off so much on fire or probably we're struggling with a certain issue or, or, or we're, we're going through stuff and Romans 8.28 assures us that all things are working together for the good but Romans 8.29 gets even deeper Romans 8.29 says it like this for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Now, let's pause right there, because this is where the misunderstanding or the misconception comes in, because we hear the word foreknowledge and then we hear the word predestined. And so we somehow come to the conclusion, oh, you see, it's because God foreknew who would choose him that he chose us. That's why we predestined, because he foreknew who would choose him. But that's not what scripture is saying at all. I, I, we've been learning this through 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 our RC Sproul in, in, our, in, in, our, in our Tuesday night studies. That knowledge doesn't just simply mean knowledge in every, every part of the Bible. We go through uh, Romans chapter 1. And it says that although that they knew God, they needed glorified God. And so knowledge right there in that portion is saying intellectual awareness. That we know that there's this God, but they're not, they're not glorifying him as God. But the foreknowledge that, that's talking about Romans 8, 29, we go back to referencing back to Genesis 1 when Adam says that he knew his, his wife Eve. Now, knew doesn't mean to say, hey, I know you. Hey, I know, I know. I have an awareness that you're around. No, Adam wasn't saying that. Adult version. He slept with his wife. He had sex. He with knew her. them. He, he knew, knew them, them in an intimate yeah. way. That's what he's trying to get to. That he knew them in an intimate way, in a personal relationship. And so that's what foreknowledge right here is talking about. Romans eight twenty nine. Eight twenty nine. For those whom he foreknew, who predestined. What does that mean? For those whom he foreloved. Those whom mm -hmm. he loved. In eternity past, those just as that scripture Deuteronomy. Why did God choose Israel, or why did God choose us now? Because of His love, because He loved us, and so that's what this portion is saying right here. Not that because God knew we were going to choose, He chose us. No, He's saying because God loved us, He predestined us. And again, don't be afraid because if this word predestination and election pop up, actually, if you're a student of the Word of God. These are biblical words, and you should get to know these definitions because all of us are going to have to come across this, and we can't be like the, that college and skip a chapter or skip a verse. We can't do that. We have to confront these biblical topics. And so predestination is, again, one of those beautiful things that, that you find in Scripture. And this should, should give you an assurance that God chose he predetermined be, determined before time what was going to happen with his elect 
And so it says right here, Romans 8.29, For those whom he foreknew, he foreloved, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And I hear many people say, well, he didn't predestine people to... He didn't elect people. Predestined doesn't mean that, that God chose you. It just means he's been conformed to the image of his Son. That's what it means. Only the elect are predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. Hmm. The world is not... Even thinking about glorifying God, not even thinking about Christ, they're thinking about their own ways. But it's the fact that God chose us, and now we He has planted in us to be man. We want to be more like Christ. We want to be more like Him. But this is where the assurance comes in Romans chapter eight, verse thirty. And those whom He predestined, He also called. And those whom He called, He also justified. And those whom He justified, He also glorified. It's called the golden the golden chain right there. That because he has predestined, because he has called, because he has justified, which is what the elect are. If you're hearing this right now, you are justified by faith in the Son of God. And that's a beautiful thing. Again, go back to those season one episodes about justification, glorification, and adoption. Because you have this assurance that because he has done these previous things already, right now we're living in that state of justification. He will bring us to glorification. That's something that we should all, as believers, be looking forward to. Not the fact that, okay, he elected me. That's it. I'm just going to kick it back. But no, just as scripture said right there, be more like Christ. Christ. Be more made into his image. That should be our prayer. God, make me more like Christ every single day. And he will bring us to glorification. And and the last verse I'm going to bring up is the verse after that. Paul says, what should we say to these things? Well, God is not fair. Why does he just choose me and not know? He says, what should we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? I always, I always think of Paul when he says, what shall we say to these things? Kind of like raising up his hands. What's up? What, what are we going to say now? Our God has our back. And so that should be to the believer that you should walk more humbly with our God, walk in that in that confidence that God gives us to enter his throne of grace. And just like Justin said, run to him. Those of the elect, run to him. Run to the feet of cross. Don't, don't run to the world, but run to Jesus Christ today. And even a couple more verses after this says, who can bring a charge against God's elect? Referencing to those past tense verbs, predestined, called, glorified, justified, all past tense um, verbs that he already did this before the foundation of the world. And what do you have to say when when people say, well, what do you, what, how come the scriptures say make your calling and election sure? Well, it's just that. <laughs> if, if you're going to say that you are in the fold that you are saved you are saying that you were elected you were god's elect and if you were truly elect you will continue in his um in the good works that he has laid out for us so make it sure if you say you are saved continue move forward it will only come to show um the truth that the opposite is is true if you don't continue in such things because god's children will perform good works and they and will live according to his will just as we read in ezekiel it does apply to us as his children by faith that he will put his spirit in us and make us and cause us to obey his his commandments his children will not stray and go off on the deep end he will make sure of it 
He will send His Holy Spirit that will dwell in us and cause us to walk in His ways, that we will be conformed to the image of His Son, Jesus Christ. So if you are saved, make your calling and election sure. Don't deceive yourselves. Amen. And just to close off on this thought, of what you were saying earlier, Victor, about you know foreknowledge and God foreloved and you know the predestined, and I think that what you said brings a whole new meaning to John three sixteen. For God so loved the world, talking about His love that He bestowed on those whom He foreknew, whom He foreordained. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever should believe in Him would not perish but have everlasting life that is that i think that just brings um, more of an understanding to that to that text to that verse right there so stay tuned for uh next week we're gonna do limited atonements and we're gonna oh. tackle john three sixteen. so stay tuned for that that's gonna be a fun one very fun one we're gonna have some special guests coming in yeah, in some yeah. episodes moving forward um, but it will be announced as the episode comes out. We so don't want to give it away yet. So stay yet. tuned. Stay tuned. So gracias. This is Reform Raza. Don't forget to hit us up. ReformRaza.com. ReformRaza at gmail.com. Don't be afraid and hit that five-star like button on Apple Podcasts. You can catch us on Anchor. You can ca- catch us on Podbean, uh, Google Podcast. Um, wherever you hear your podcast, go ahead and... and uh, and shout us out right there. Do it. Go ahead. Do it. Go ahead. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> and also, don't forget to leave us a voicemail, please. Yes. We yes. are encouraged when that happens. And also, too, it encourages our listeners when they hear other people um, that are in similar situations, whether it be um, just as we mentioned from uh, misconceptions of Calvinism. And even moving forward, if you, if you guys would like to leave us a voicemail, Go ahead, please, in the episode notes on the very bottom where it says leave us a message. Go ahead and click there or go to our website, reformrasa.com at the very bottom where it says hit us up, leave us a voicemail. Go ahead and click there. And yeah. And yeah. And this is Reform Rasa. Rasa. We are out of here. May God be glorified through the edification of the saints. Peace. I don't know why I hit that button. <laughs> Late. <laughs> <laughs>
feeble as people Example, sex channels, sex scandals, wrecking vandals Idols on mantles, the Bible's mishandled If not for the Holy Spirit intervening We'd still be slaves to Satan and his demons He would gather his elects from the corners of the earth Is the Father who selects, who receives the new birth By the power of the Spirit, it is all in conjunction Life, death, and resurrection of the one who was unctioned I was dead in trespasses, now I'm free and adopted As the son I was given, a guaranteed deposit The Spirit was hovering on the waters of creation My shield and covering, he drew me to salvation Predestined by the Lord before things were made I still cannot fathom, I was chosen to be saved The Father gave the Son a group from every race The Spirit made them come to be hooked by His grace The skeptic was elected, redeemed and resurrected So the glory of my God in my life can be reflected In pure righteousness, the beginning of perfection The doctrine I espouse is unconditional election The third part of the tulip, limited atonement Is often disputed, many don't condone it But since atonement really atones men Then how will all atone when it helps on my throne end? Less for a moment, check Behind the verses, John 17, 9, you'll see divine purchase. Blood to affect a foul nation. Love directed to the elect for salvation. All of whom the Father placed in his plan. Predestined, Christ died for the saints in his hand. Take the words of Christ spoken. Behold, he prays not for the world, but dies for the chosen only. So when he rose from the grave, he fulfilled his mission. Sealing the Christians for chose to be saved. So redemption precedes faith. And when grace is imparted to the elect, they respond and accept. No one can come to Christ unless the Father draws him like an artist. See, God is the cause of the hardest. Heart that's godless, that regards him not. That's darkened like carjackers in a parking lot. He's sparking this life within, cause lifeless men are Christless. Can't find him without his light within. But this grace ain't convenient. What I mean is, we weren't born with something in our soul to make conversion convenient. We was dead in sin, born a spiritual Lazarus to say he helped raise himself. We would laugh at this, like the notion God is open and he's hoping that he's chosen. No one seeks God. We the quote in Romans 3:11. See our inception in crisis because God stepped in and raised us to life. There's no question that His grace made us right for this election by election of life. We receive Christ and accept Him. So without resurrection, we're bound to a will to reject Him unless God grants an irresistible exception. We in God's tightest grip and we won't slip like His hands cramped with arthritis. We'll be grasped above to inherit through His everlasting love and cherish your sheep shall never perish. To know when it's over, we'll persevere because of the Master's peace. Like no limit soldiers Through Christ the debt is paid solely The propitiation for our ventilation That's made holy Call us by grace into your words adherence Authored our faith to see its perseverance No mistakable claim Predestined, called, just and glorified The unbreakable chain Born again, not of the seed that will decay But indeed guaranteed to believe Until the day he redeems his purchase possession In the Holy Spirit seals the deal The church's protection